Welcome to the Church Collective Podcast. In this episode, we talked with Sheely Worship about how to foster a heart that is all about God in worship as we're leading, songwriting both for the church locally and globally, and and how to really connect with God in each and everything we do. I think you're going to love it. Here we go. We are Chris and Summer Sheely. Sheely Worship. Sheely Worship. We're currently located in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, hot Atlanta, they call it. <laughs> um, we've lived here for about two years now. Um, it's been the most interesting part of our journey in our story so far. So we can maybe get into that yeah. um, in a little bit. But basically, in a nutshell, we have been leading worship together for probably about 12 years now. Um, I've led worship my whole life, yeah. but together... Yeah, it's been about twelve years. We are um, we've been married for eighteen years. Okay, we have four kids. <laughs> they are our oldest is a boy. He is eleven, and then we have three girls: nine, seven, and two. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So um, <clears throat> we worked in the um, corporate world in our twenties. We went to college. Um, I worked in the hospital. Chris. Um, was a freight broker, had his own business, um, and we led worship and did music stuff on the side. Yeah. yeah. Um, then when we started approaching 30, we just kind of felt the Lord pulling on our hearts, um, asking us how much do we trust him? Would we be willing to go all in for worship and music yeah. and not be um, dependent necessarily on our degrees, right? So I don't know. Do you want to? Yeah, that's something. That's uh, that's a fun story to tell. We'll get into that. I hope. But yeah, we've yeah. we've just been making like our whole life. I grew up in the church. Summers, mom and dad were worship pastors for thirty five years, and uh, most people don't make it that long. So that really speaks to the kind of folks that they are, and um, kind of how we were raised up in this um, really solid family. Really, really knew how to get into the presence of God. So we. We cut our teeth by serving her mom and dad on their worship team. I played drums or bass, and she would sing and play keys. And um, then after college, we started leading together. So it wasn't a normal thing for us to sing together. But I was a musician, like a hired gun around town. And um, it's just been a really cool journey. We've been doing this a while and really love to offer our insights to the younger worship leaders to maybe help them avoid some of the the pitfalls that lead to burnout, you know, so they can yeah, have sure. longevity, you know, and we're really passionate. Like think biblically, the Levites worked until they were 50. They, they, they did the job of worship until they were 50 years old. So it's just really cool to see people making it, you know, running yeah. the race for the length of time. So sure. Okay. That's a little bit, you said like, it's a fun story on how you got to Atlanta. Maybe like try to talk how the Lord worked that through. Yeah. Y- yeah. Well, he's starting down. We'll start back in Dallas. We lived in Dallas Fort Worth for ten years, and um, twenty eighteen ish, we the Lord spoke to me and said us to say go all in on music, full time into ministry. We were only part time or or like contract musicians up until that point. We were part time on staff. Yeah. Um, so he said, "I want you to sell your business," and I said, "Oh no!" Like it was very, it was comfortable, and she had already quit working at the hospital because we had our third child, so life was getting busy and more expensive and the lord said sell your business which was our bread and butter on income and and i wrestled with him but the next morning literally there was somebody in my email inbox wanting to buy my book of business from me okay 
So we said yes and walked away from that stream of income. We knew it was the Lord because yeah. we hadn't even like yeah advertised or, you know, had conversations about it, about selling it. It just completely random. The Time. Lord totally sent someone to buy it. So we were like, this is 100% the Lord. We've got to walk on water and yeah. and do this journey with the Lord. So we, yeah. we knew we had about a year to figure out what like life post business and, and, and corporate. So at the time we were helping run a record well, label. We had just with the, gotten with the organization we were with. Yeah. We had just gotten hired on. We were with an organization called catch the fire and we were just really coming into our position there as, as record label uh, directors for them. Um, and we were serving a local church yeah. and it just started making sense that we would move out to North Carolina. Uh, which is where they're sort of headquartered between Toronto and Raleigh, North Carolina. So we made that transition, um, <clears throat> got out there. Two, we were there for two years, but not long after we got there, you know, things shifted and changed and decisions were made that were not necessarily in alignment with why they invited us in the first place. And they just kind of went a different direction. So we knew that where they were headed wasn't compatible with what God has asked us to do. So we were like, it's time for us to move on and, and everything's great. We love everyone there. And it was just time for us to move on. And we were like, so what do we do now? Cause we really had a passion for the record, you know, that industry and like helping people get projects out and serving our local church in that capacity. And we laid that all down. Uh, we had just moved our family across the country. Uh, we were pregnant with our fourth child at that point. And I, I had come to Atlanta um, to be a part of a, uh, it was for a recording Mav was doing here in Atlanta. It was kind of random. I was just in the room. It was a writing camp. I flew here, uh, when summer, we were like a, a day away from having our fourth child. And I called her on the phone after being here, being around everyone in Atlanta. I was like, I feel like God is asking us to move to Atlanta. And she was less than 24 hours from having given birth. And she was like, let's talk about this after the baby comes, you know? <laughs> sure, sure. So, uh, you know, long story short, it's because it's a very, very long story, and I don't want to bore your listeners, but we felt like the Lord said to move to Atlanta, and the only word we had was move there, sing over the city. Sing over the city. And we we had felt like, too, that God had spoken and said it's not um, that our season for necessarily working on staff for a local church was... Yeah. Um, coming to a close, at least for this season of our life. I mean, yeah. maybe not forever, but we just lived day to day with him, you know? Yeah. So we moved here. We didn't have a staff job. Um, we actually were going to go back to work in just some corporate um, settings, yeah. uh, real estate and different things. And then still at that point, we were itinerating quite a bit, worship leading, and um, we were going to continue doing that. And just really as the Lord leads, you know, with worship stuff. And not long after we moved here, yeah. um, just the whole job scenario that we thought we were moving here for did not exist. Yeah. <laughs> and so we were like, oh, no, have we missed the Lord? This is wild. We have four kids. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. And instantly in my spirit, I felt the Lord say, you did not miss me. There are windows that you are given and it involves decisions on all parties and so you gave your yes yeah. and not necessarily all parties made the same decision and so windows open and windows close and it was like that was a a revelation moment for me because i feel like in our walk with the lord it's so easy to get 
stuck in your mind thinking that you've missed the Lord or that you didn't hear him clearly. Yeah, that things don't work out. Because it doesn't look like you thought. Right. And yeah. so for that moment in my life, for him to say, you did not miss me. Your job was to obey. You were obedient. And it requires, because of, you know, just <clears throat> will. We're all created with a will to say yes or to make other decisions. And so the window closed and that job no longer existed. And we had a choice to make. Yeah. You know, of do we run home or do we sit here and walk on water and trust the Lord? Yeah. And we had a supernatural call from a prophet. <laughs> Here in town, like we had never met him, he called us on the phone and just completely read like our story, exactly what was happening verbatim. Like no one knew this stuff, but Chris and I. So we knew that it was a divine moment with the Lord. And he basically said, this job scenario is going to be a repeat scenario for you guys like Jonah and the whale. You guys are called to the ministry. You are called to serve the Lord with your life. And every time you pursue something else, it's going to spit you out like the whale. <laughs> so we're like, sweet, here we are again. <laughs> okay. We're supposed to go back full time into worship and uh, ministry and yeah. just trust the Lord. So, so yeah. So ever since that word, we went back in, this has almost been a year and a half now, 18 months, 18 ago. months ago, right. we, we went back to what God said. And the, the thing he asked us to do was sing over the city of Atlanta. I was like, man, Lord, can it really be that simple? Is that, that's what you want me to do with my life? And everything else falls into place because I do the one thing you've asked me to do. Yeah. Provision falls into place. Alignments fall into place. Housing falls into place. And, and so our story in Atlanta has been one of the lowest of lows where we thought we had missed God. And, and he has been restoring all of it back to us. Even We can elaborate on this later, but even yeah. to the point of now we have a record label and our music is funded, and we're helping other worship leaders get get their uh, projects out. And so it's like a full circle thing. We had to walk through this valley of where he is everything. Or he, yeah. he was our only option. Jesus, his word, we, we met him as daily bread, yeah. like for provision. And That's been a word here yeah. over our life, is coming to know him as daily bread. We grew up... Um, both of us grew up in like the charismatic, you know, non-denominational kind of uh, circles. Yeah. And so getting prophetic words was kind of a normal thing um, yeah. in our life. And the Lord in this season, the Lord came to me and he said, Summer, you've spent your whole life focused on all these words that you've received and where you think these words are taking you, that you've never really come to know me as your daily bread. Yeah. And if I'm not enough for you, on the day today is your daily bread, then I'm not going to be enough for you when you get to the fulfillment of these words. Yeah. Yeah. He has to be enough right now. So this has really been for us, it has been a journey of coming to know him in 24 hour increments. He is enough. Yeah. What is his provision for the day and being fully satisfied in that? Yeah. Yeah. Could you give a little advice? Cause like, amazing story but i i can imagine there's a lot of listeners that are like well, i don't get these words like i don't look like, god's not like because it sounds like no. god has very very carefully like worked your way through and like you said it's a daily relationship with the lord that kind of gives him the space yeah. to be able to communicate with us like that um so maybe yeah. speak to how how would someone listening cultivate a heart that's sensitive to god giving this kind of direction yeah it it's it really 
it's just time I'm spent with him in his presence. And yeah. you know, my sheep know my voice, right? Like it's it, cultivating the intimacy and, and closeness to the friend of Jesus and his presence where, um, he's always speaking to us and it might not be through a random pr prophetic word from a prophet from around the world. Maybe. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's the still small voice, but either way it comes out of connection with him, you know, and what is about the intimacy sustaining? Um, one of our, uh, best friends in the UK, he, we did, a, a teach with him one time on intimacy and worship. And he said, your ability to stay at the feet of Jesus and live a, a life in adoration of him is everything. And he said it like this. He said, your adoration will sustain your assignment, which will sustain your anointing. Is that, yeah. I say it backwards? No, I think that's it. So it's, I'm going to say it again in case you need to cut it. I got it. I'll, <laughs> your yeah. adoration. I know how this works. <laughs> I think you got it. Yeah. <laughs> your adoration of Jesus, being able to just behold him and fix your eyes on him will sustain your anointing. When your anointing is sustained, then it sustains the assignment and you never face burnout. Yeah. When you have burnout or you get tired and you don't understand what you're doing anymore, it's because you've moved your place from just sitting at his feet. Yeah. Being able to just do everything from that place of being with him, everything else comes out of that. So what that looks like, if you're not familiar with that, is time. Yeah. It's so simple. It is. There is no... Um, checklist that you have to go through sometimes it might look like sitting down with a devotional book and spending 45 minutes sometimes it might look like turning on a worship song in the car and pouring out your heart to him for five minutes so yeah. but time is time so when you are best friends with someone sometimes you get to go spend a weekend away and really connect sometimes you get a 20-minute phone call but it is the day-to-day -day connection that builds this sustaining relationship of trust yeah this sustaining relationship of okay when this person says something to me i'm gonna do it because i trust them yeah. why do you trust them because you've had time with them so it's the same with jesus it's it's i feel like sometimes in the christian world we overcomplicate it it is just time time spent with him and it doesn't have to look the same every day because we're all in different places in life some of us have kids some of us might be in college some of us might be dealing with a sick parent or a relative and you know everyone's life looks different you're in a different journey but what can it look like for you to set aside undivided time and attention for jesus and when you give him that space he will speak to you yeah it's just giving the space to him yeah yeah how did you so talk a little bit about like vocational ministry how did you guys get into serving at a church like way, like yeah, way back. Yeah, <laughs> we actually tried to not do that. Like that was our, <laughs> yeah, that was our. To be uh, honest with your listeners, is we went to college and university with the idea in mind, uh, we don't want to be on staff at a church. Yeah, and and that might have been rebellion. That might have actually just been because of, you know, ministry's hard and. We had we were very close to it, watching her mom and dad navigate the ups and the downs and the the bad times and good times and the people can be difficult and like it's just a it's such a nuanced thing and it's not easy to be in ministry. Um, so I think 
watching them live their life that way kind of made us think, I wonder if there's a way we can just serve the church because we love the church. We love, love, love serving and always will. But how do we like provide for ourselves so that we're not like attaching this to money? Right. It's, that was the thing. That was the thing. It made it feel, for, for me, it made it feel like, well, I don't want my drive to have money to live make this worship and music less pure because I connected it to money. Right. Yeah. So that was really the moment. Yeah, so for, for years we we went and worked other jobs. And so I think we did that all of our 20s and we did like volunteer work or contract work. But at 30 years old, it was like the first staff job we took. And it was a final realization for us of like, God calls some people to do this. And it's okay that you're compensated to do it. Like it's a very biblical thing. It's a very honorable thing to do. And we had to wrestle that out with God in our hearts and ourselves before we were, I guess, comfortable enough to even say yes to a staff job. So that that journey was a long one where we were in corporate America and doing our thing and he started speaking to our hearts in our mid-20s and we started having kids and started really burning to do it more. And, and it, it was a very long, maybe a 10-year process, honestly, before we were in ministry. Full what, what like opened the door though was when we started having kids, we thought, yeah. okay, we really want to establish ourselves in a home church yeah, yeah, with a set community. Because before that, we had just sort of, based on who we were, um, you know, playing or singing for, we had lots of like multiple different church communities. Then when we were decided to start a family, I was like, okay, this was a huge part of my life, church community. Yeah. Community is roots you, right? You can do Bible studies and, and watch podcasts and um, live streams and stuff at home, but the community aspect is what will ground you in your relationship with Jesus. So we were talking like, okay, we're having kids. Let's find a home community. We felt like the Lord led us to this church plant. Yeah. Um, to be a part of just from some friendships, honestly, relationships that we had in the city. And we went to not even, um, we weren't going to lead at any capacity. We just wanted to be a part of the community. And it only took a few weeks. <laughs> and the yeah. Lord opened the door. They were like, hey, we would love to have you guys serve and be a part. So for the first year, we were not paid staff at all. Um, we were just put on a rotation and we served the body. Um, kind of established ourselves in the community and the church grew. And then um, after the first year of doing that, it transitioned into a part-time role. Yeah. 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 Killer. So I don't think it was, it was never really like the, like full-time vocational ministry was never really like the goal, like the end goal. Um, And we let God open those doors. We trusted him and we've never really looked for it. We've never applied for a job at any church. It, we just let him open the doors really through relationship because that seems to work out better, you know, when it's yeah. that way. Sure. Um, that's our journey. Yeah. You guys talk a lot about like purity and worship because you may be, you know, practically what would us as worship leaders at our churches, like how do we foster like purity in our worship in a corporate setting? We can start corporate and we'll get to private too and all that. But yeah, let's start corporate. How do we get, how do we foster that in our churches? Yeah. I think for, for us, we both have kind of different things to say about it. Um, yeah. I think purity starts with protecting the why, right? right? That why we lead worship is because we love Jesus and we want to minister to him, his heart. 
why we write songs is because we love to worship Jesus and minister to his heart, and we love to serve our church body with the song. So I, I think for us, we get many opportunities to say yes to a whole lot of things, and doors open sometimes, and it's like everything for us has to be filtered through, is this in like alignment with the why, like that I do what I do? Um, otherwise it could get me like a little bit off and I could look up in a few years and be heading in a completely different direction than I ever intended to go. And I know that now because I've done that, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, there's industry, there's songs, there's CDs and now all this stuff. Like most people don't say CDs anymore. Albums <laughs> and all of this stuff that can get our attention and it can quickly become the why that motivates why we even do what we do in the first place. And it just gets so murky that way. Yeah. So I think just protecting the why, why we love to do it, why we burn to do it, why we love to sing a song over our city, um, helps us stay pure. It's not, purity isn't perfection, it's just a right heart, it's a right motive, a right agenda behind everything that we do. Yeah. 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 It's really good. I think the only thing I would add is like a real practical um, application if you're a worship leader um, with the people that you are stewarding something that we have always done is like a core thing um, for our department is we frequently have our team over in our home yeah, and we dive into just a place of what we call intimate worship. Um, and the reason for that is, is we, le- we teach our people that you will never lead any group of people farther than you will lead yourself. So if you cannot lead yourself into this place, into a place of worship with no other agenda, you're not leading a, a group of people. And it doesn't matter. It can be, you know, whether your setting is weekly, you lead 50 people or you're leading 5,000. It makes no difference because at the end, we're all just going to stand before the Lord, right? It's just right. me and him. Yeah. The amount of people that you're leading, That's, it, yeah. it doesn't matter at all. It's how are you able to lead them to a place that you go, which is hopefully to his feet every single time. It's like Chris yes, said, it's the, it's the motive. It's the why, why? Because we love him. We worship because we get to not because we have to. So we just always try to create this culture within our people of this is an honor. We get to do this and we want to do this as a team before we ever try to lead another group of people to do it. Seriously. And, and yeah. always encourage, like, don't compare yourself to anybody that you see like online, you know, just because somebody's leading worship in arenas doesn't mean that they're more faithful worship leader than the person who's in the prayer room where there's four people. It's, yep. it's consistency and faithfulness and and doing the job unto the Lord that really excites me and gets my attention. So I think you can stay pure. And, and when you find yourself comparing, that's really a sign like you got to check like why you're doing it in the first place. Because you've just probably ventured off of your want yeah, a little bit, you like, know. And it's human nature. I mean, we all do. All seriously, I was, we were talking to a a friend who's who's a worship leader, and he's been doing it for years and years and years in some of the biggest like places you can imagine all around the world. And I was asking him this question. I'm I'm much younger than this guy. And I'm like, what would you share with somebody like me? Like, what was your one takeaway? And his, it shocked me what he said. He's like, you know, the one thing I fear the most is that my generation have trained an entire younger generation that they have to do it our way. And that if it right. doesn't look like what we've done, 
that they're not successful. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's the biggest thing he wants to to tell Gen Z. It's like, don't look right. at what we've all done. Do you, you know? Yeah. I was really encouraged by that. Yeah, no, that's great. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts too, because that just like immediately spurred to mind the Asbury stuff that has been happening recently. Like, we have a what story it, there. Yeah, yeah. What What are your thoughts on that? Because that's clearly it seems like a group of young people going for something different than what we might be used to seeing all over YouTube and all that. But yeah, let, let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> the The unpolished and the unperfected. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was. I think Chris is going to share on it, but I was just going to say really quick. My favorite, um, my favorite <laughs> thing about Asbury, I think, is it has restored the foundational piece of simplicity. Oh, yeah. It is so simple. Everything that we have available to us now in 2023 <clears throat> is absolutely amazing. You know, the the Zooms, the streams, the you can watch anything from anywhere at any time, however many times you want. It's amazing and it's a gift, but what this has done for me is just reignite that piece in my spirit of it is that simple. Like 16 kids stayed late after a regular chapel. There was nothing special going on. Nobody told them to do it. It was just, I think I want to worship a little bit longer today. And God always shows up for the hungry. Yeah. And it was 16 people with you know, no public names that people know and they had no agenda. They had no idea that was going to happen. And so I think what it does is it yeah. resets. If you allow it, it can reset this thing. And you like, Oh, this can be anywhere at any time. Yeah. We can have this anywhere yeah. at any time. There is the opportunity for an outpouring of heaven. Come on. Yes. Oh, it's exciting, man. Like I, um, our, I want to tell a story about our babysitter, actually. she She's a worship leader. She's, how old is she? She's 20, 20 or 21. 21, yeah. Her name is Serena, and she just moved here to work at a satellite church. Um, so she's very, very new in the in, in that job and, and really doing great. Um, but she, she, uh, she, so she asked us for advice on how to, you know, worship leading and all this stuff because we're probably... Right. 17. We won't say how much older. We're a good bit older than her. Uh, <laughs> and so she's asking us for insight. And I, and I just love what God did in my heart. Like she and her friends drove up to Asbury. And and I know I've seen like all the, uh, you know, all the worship leaders that have gone up there. And I've even heard stories of of the big names offering to help and all this stuff. And and I don't have anything against big name famous worship leaders. It is what it is. Like it, I love them. I have a lot of friends, but... I just love that Serena goes up there randomly. She's in college and happened to be walking in the right spot. And one of the students from Asbury say, hey, we don't have anybody to lead this next worship set. We need some help. And so she gets up on stage and leads worship for four hours at the Asbury Revival. Somebody that had been asking us for like wisdom God uses to lead worship at an outpouring. I was humbled by that. I'm like, man, it just... God can do what he wants to do with who he wants to do it with. And it's really not up to us to decide, yeah, sure. you know, any of it. It's really like a weight off the shoulders and super refreshing. Right. Our job is just the obedience, right? <laughs> you just are obedient to what you feel, what you feel like he's asking you to do. Yeah. And that's it. Right. You know, that's great. 
what I mean, so advice for younger worship leaders, like I, I'm in education, we've got a lot of worship majors at the college I'm at, they're intending to get into full-time vocational worship ministry and kind of just learning all the foundations. Like what, uh, you know, your journey, you, you guys didn't start out saying, I want to like you, if anything, you were trying to push away from getting into full-time ministry, but what, what advice would you have for those young people that are like, this is what God's calling me to do and I'm going to equip myself and I'm going to go to it. What, what kind of advice do you got for them? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of what we said would, would be applicable. Don't, don't compare, serve, yeah. you know, surround yourself with with people that you know are like-minded, like, like they're like spirit that you're going after the same things. Like make sure that if you say yes to a job at a church that you fully know their vision, their mission, their state, like right. what they're about, yep. um, because that'll protect your relationship. Like 10 years in, if all of a sudden, things aren't what you thought they were, you can always point back to like, okay, who got off? Was it me or what did the church change? And you can just navigate it easier because inevitably, I hate to say it because it sounds hard. Things are going to happen. You're going to get yeah. disappointed. It's you like, might even be yeah. betrayed. Church or not, it's like, it's going to happen. Yeah. It, you're going to get hurt and you're going to have the opportunity to navigate that with Jesus. And the yeah. good news is, is Jesus will always be there to navigate it with you. And you might have to leave where you're at and go find another job elsewhere. Yeah. I would just say on the front side, uh, proper conversations. Don't be afraid to ask the hard questions so that you can understand fully what you're saying yes to. And then go for it and serve and be consistent and be faithful. Don't worry about becoming famous. Be faithful and you'll have a great career. Yeah. Good. I think I would have two, two things. Um looking back at this point in our journey, the first thing we've already touched on a bit, but don't ever remove yourself from living a life at his feet. That has got to be your grounding spot. Whether you're on the highest mountaintop or the darkest valley, you got to stay at his feet because there is no better seat. Um, and you can reground if you can sit at his feet, then you know his voice. And no matter what you're navigating in life, if you can hear his voice, yeah. you can navigate it. <clears throat> it's that's like my one goal as a parent for my children is that when they leave my house, they know how to hear the voice of the Lord. Because I can't protect and prevent all the things in life, but if they can hear his voice, they can reset and re anchor. Yeah. Um, and I think my second piece of advice would be surround yourself with people the caliber of people that that are going in the direction that you want to go yeah because like chris said stuff happens and where nobody's above it like you will just make decisions and they're not the best decision and when you're in the middle of it you are unable to see it sometimes but it's those people around you that can come in and speak in and help pull you out and and you will not be stuck and you won't have the feeling of being stuck we're called to be um people who live in community which i know we touched on already but it's so important you can't isolate you gotta lean in yeah because inevitably when the when the seasons and the journeys of life are going having that community will pull you through you're never meant to do it on your own Seriously. Yeah. So if you're feeling that pool to isolate, you just got to put that head down and go the opposite direction because <laughs> that right. is such such a ploy of the enemy is 
I just need to buckle down and get through this on my own. Yeah, no, right. if you're feeling that, dive into the people that you've surrounded yourself with and they will pull you through. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one last thing I'll say on it is, is, is treat it like a job. Work hard. Like if, if you're a musician and you're a worship leader, work really hard at your craft, practice your right. instrument, get really excellent at it. You know, biblically, right? Levi, they were the most skilled, most anointed, super professional. They were hired by a king to do a job. Like those guys didn't mess around with their craft. They took it serious. So yeah. I would say dive in and get serious. If it's learning Ableton or Pro Tools or whatever you need to do to mix, if you're if you're wanting to do something, you know, in ministry and last a, a long time, be disciplined and diligent in your craft and hone your skills. Yeah, sure. So you, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts too. Like the other side of this, like worship leading vocational thing is often there's a pressure and it's easy for us to release. Like there's a pressure to release music and singles and like every Friday yeah. I want to get my thing out. Like, could you maybe speak to like, I'm going to serve my church and I want to write songs for my church. I mean, and you guys have navigated now. I want my songs to be able to reach others. Like, wh what is that? You know, speak to that tension a little bit. And how do you know when is it time to push into that? Yeah. Oh man, that is a big one. <laughs> I uh, I don't think that every church necessarily needs to be releasing albums. Sure. Um, I don't think. Uh, I don't think that every worship leader is called to make records. I, I um. But you'll know when it's time. So the tension is this, only God. So if we start off and our mindset is to, I want to write a song that every church in the world sings. We're already way, way, way out, out of line. Like right. we've seen it over and over and over again. Only God can blow his blessing and wind behind somebody's song and make it go around the world. Even in the systems that we've built in the worship industry, when you think about how many people are writing songs, how, like, some of these writers are writing three or four songs a day, all right. like all year round. And there's only a few songs that really, I mean, the CCLI top 100 is only 100, right? It's like right. out of all the, you know, hundreds of thousands of songs, these are the ones God's really chosen to minister. And some of those have been the same song for years. For years. I was going to yeah. say, there's some sitting so, on top. <laughs> I pull it up. There's probably 10,000 reasons it's going to be right there. <laughs> it's been there for yeah, a while. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. 100%. Oh, I, I, Bill, my life is going to be there for a minute because it's such, right. I mean, God <laughs> chooses what he wants his his body to sing. Yeah. I would say, don't start with that as your why because it'll lead you down the road of disappointment. Trust us from experience. Like we thought that had to be the thing we pursued, you know, years and years ago. But right, if you feel the call to write, like what is your church's song? What's going on in your body? Focus in on that. Like that's really worth finding out. Like what is our tribe called to release over our city? Because that's where we can be immediately yeah. impactful. And there's, and it seems kind of ethereal or whatever, nebulous, like I want to sing over my city, but we know, just read the Bible about how important that is. Like sing your church's song over your city. And if God asks you to record it, then record it and give it your best. Like try to be excellent, but don't ever do it with the pressures of making money off of it and that it would go around the world. I think that's yeah. really, really dangerous. Sure. And I hope I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I I do oh, think ahead. though I'll just add really quick. It's um, it is really important to steward the writing in your own church body though. Yeah. Um, 
there's nothing wrong with doing covers and doing the songs that are new and fresh or even old and you just love them because you, you know, you had an encounter with the Lord during it. We, we personally, we lead with a, a combination style. So by that, I mean, we will lead brand new stuff. We will lead hymns. We will lead songs that came out, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago, and then we'll lead originals songs that we've written. And we are super intentional that everywhere we go, it's usually a combination of all those. And our thought process is we want to give opportunity for whoever is in the room to have a moment to connect with the heart of the father. And so, you know, you just kind of do a wide array of songs. You don't want to get stuck on only doing songs that you've written. Um, because that can get really difficult for people to connect to. Yeah. Um, you don't want to necessarily just do all the brand new stuff because there is something about uh, holiness um, on some of the stuff that is out from 30, 40 years ago when God did amazing outpourings from then, you know? Yeah. yeah. So we do a combination style, but cultivating a writing within your own body is so important because we we believe in part of what we um, do when we teach is every region has a sound and part of our prayer whenever we're praying and crying out to the lord and we're traveling and leading is god give me the ears to hear your song over this region right now so if you're in a region and you have a worship leading job and you're leading there every single week God can give you the ability to hear the songs and the sounds of that region and cultivating that opportunity within your group of people to write and connect with that and release songs is so, so powerful um, because it connects with what he's already doing in that land. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. You, you touch on a little bit like giving, getting people to like an intimate moment with the Lord and that kind of touches on, I think what you guys call throne room worship, because you maybe explain like practically how do you set up you know not a setup but like how do you uh foster that kind of a posture foster that posture and rhyming anyway you got it oh yeah your picture oh yeah yeah simplest this is a this is a it's the simplest that we've kind of brought it down to um it's a big theological conversation i'm not sure i'm equipped to handle alone (laughs) but (laughs) throne room i mean there's worship around his throne 24 7 and and these guys are casting their crowns and everyone's singing holy holy like every, and we always imagine it's like every time he reveals a new side of his face there's just this new response of oh my goodness holy 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 you know what i mean so yeah i i just we lead people where we go so we do this at home um and i wish we could do it more uh but because it's so fun we just um we get into these pockets in worship where and some people may know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, this is where it gets a bit out there. We get into these pockets of worship and you can feel the room responding to God. And and we sing these corporate songs like that, like 10,000 reasons. Everybody knows the words. Yeah. So they're less like they're less in their head and they're more engaged like vertically with him because they're singing something they know. It's a corporate, beautiful sound. So. I asked the Lord the question, okay, God, what is happening whenever we can feel the shift in the room or like we feel you in a greater way in a moment? Like where we always say 
oh man, it feels like he just walked into the room. I mean, he was already there before, but now it's like there's more. You know, his yeah. presence just got intensified. Um, I was just processing with the Lord, like, what is happening in that moment? And I feel like he showed me a picture where he was sat on the throne and he was breathing in the incense of worship coming from our local church. And he was, the, I could see the fragrance rising and I could see him breathing it in and receiving our worship. And he was so blessed and he had a smile on his face and he was really loving what we were doing. And then the shift happened when, because um, I think this is part of our role as a worship leader is to not only teach people how to sing songs that have been written, but how to sing their song, the spontaneous praise that he inhabits, where everyone in the room is singing their own song. Um, And we give space for that in our worship sets where I will encourage, all right, everybody, give him a song, sing him a song, sing your heart song back to him. And, And that would be the moment where I'd feel that shift, like, oh, something just happened. Maybe that's him coming to life in the praises of his people. And I saw this picture of the father on the throne receiving worship. And then I saw as everyone in the room started singing their own song, he put his hand behind his ear and he got to the edge of his seat and he was really listening. And I, and I felt like he was just saying, that's where that intensified like presence comes because he loves when people worship him in corporate, but he also loves it when everybody in the room is singing a spontaneous song of love to him. So we call that like, that's the throne room. Like that's that, that moment. Um, Yeah. I think that that's as much as I can. That's like a really good good. visual aid to, you know, what it, the difference of singing a corporate song versus just the intimate, Yeah, the intimate worship time with the Lord is it really draws him, draws him in. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Let's let's hear a little bit about your uh, album. Like, well, what's God doing with that? How do people get connected with you? How do they find find all that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we would love that. Yeah, we're on, we're Sheely Worship on all the DSPs, all the platforms, Spotify, Apple, YouTube. Yeah. And so we've got like almost two years worth of worshiping sets, like from right here in this room up on uh, YouTube that are super intimate. But yeah. we're releasing singles. We've just put out a song called Your Presence. Okay. And it went live, I think, February 3rd. And we wrote that song in a really, really sweet uh, songwriting session while our family was in Glasgow, Scotland. Last year. Last year, we spent the entire month of September uh, over with our friends at Global Prophetic Alliance. We were working with them. Our family was there. We wrote this song. We were in a songwriting session, and we were just kind of getting nowhere. And we paused and said, let's just worship. So we started worshiping and that song came out of that. Um, so Your Presence just released. We are currently, um, we just recorded our next single that'll be out in a month or so, but. Um, well, we're putting out several singles this year. Our yeah. last album that came out was um, last year. She, yeah, Sheely Worship Live from Global Awakening. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Randy Clark and Dr. Clark and Global Awakening. Yeah. Um, we travel a, a good bit with those guys and we recorded an album over the course of a year, I think at different venues all around the country and yeah, sure. put that out uh, yeah, last August and it's a 10 song album. Yeah. Really cool. Lots of fun moments. Our there. weekly worship that Chris touched on is something very special to our heart. The Lord asked us to do. Yeah. Um, we started no matter, in 2020, right? Yeah. 
during COVID, actually. Yeah. Um, I was going to say so two we, years. That sounds like a COVID project. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, well, it started out just something for our local church at the time, because at that time yeah. we were on staff. And then um, when the the mandates and stuff started lifting, we felt our the Lord say, will you give me this offering every week? Yeah. And so we've just been faithful to that. We release, it's just prayer and worship. Um, about 30 to 40 minutes set every Tuesday night, but it's, um, we have a YouTube station, Sheely worship. Um, you can subscribe to that and that post every week. And then we also post, um, you know, live worship moments and that kind of stuff on our YouTube as well. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, shoot us a DM on Instagram. We would love to connect with you. God bless.